Hello and welcome to Off Time Drive. My name is Tyler Andropino. And my name is Michael Holler. Michael, how are you doing? We're doing another podcast and it hasn't even been a year yet. Yep, it's uh, it's too cold to do anything outside right now. Um, so here we are, back again. Yeah, man, how's it in Connecticut? It's snowing right now in Brooklyn. It's it's cold. It's uh, it's been very uncomfortable. It'll snow for a little while, uh, and then it'll rain for a little while, and so the yes. rain will freeze over a nice sheet of ice over all the snow, and it it it's making my life very uncomfortable. Yeah, I was doing that around here yesterday. That was, that was a pain in the ass. It snowed, like, all morning, then decided it wanted to start raining. And so I live right underneath, like, the subway tracks. Oh. Um, and <laughs> so... Are, are you, like, like um, fucking uh, from Wanted, James McAvoy's character? What was his name? Wesley? He, yes. No, I'd like to think of it... I'd like to think of it myself as Brad Pitt from the movie Seven. You know, where like oh, where they have to hold everything together. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No wonder why the real estate agent only showed us the property every five minutes. <laughs> no, it's actually not that bad because we live in the back of the building and it's a converted industrial loft. So like our windows are mad thick. You don't even really hear the subway unless the windows are open, which is amazing. Oh. Um, it was noisier living in the New Yorker than it is living here by far. Well, if you had one wish, would you wish to not live under subway tracks? No, I wouldn't waste my wish on that. Christ. Because well, actually, would you, you know, would you waste the wish on CGI? <laughs> because we got a trailer for Aladdin, uh, and I don't, yeah. I don't think anyone can properly convey. I've been the posting decisions. that picture of uh, the genie so often on Discord. It's I, I, I have to normalize it for myself. Like I need to get used to it because it, every time I see it, I'm a little bit horrified. Um, in fairness, last time we recorded one of these, we were talking off mic about how Entertainment Weekly had just come out with a picture of Will Smith as the genie, and it was literally just Will Smith with like a ponytail. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, and so I was you know, upset kinda, about that. I was like, he's not even blue? And then they're like, oh no, he's going to be blue. Check this out. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> it's kind of a damned if you do, damned if you don't. Because yeah. everyone saw that Empire, or the uh, Entertainment Weekly and everyone was just like, oh, that's kind of underwhelming. And then Will Smith was all like, nah, he's going to be blue. And so they released the second, like, it's not even a trailer. It's a like a like a sneak peek, I think they're calling it. Mm. And they show you Will Smith's genie come out of the lamp. And everyone's like, oh, God. Yeah, he, and he's just you're, being Will Smith, too. You're like it's a coin toss away blue. from Shrek. Yeah, and he was, <laughs> he was, yeah, he's like. Oh God! What is his line? He's just like, oh, well, like, you really never, never heard, heard, heard of, of me? <laughs> yeah. Nah, the genie Grant wishes doesn't ring any bells. I'm like, it's just Will Smith being Will Smith. What are we doing, fellas? Come on. You know, I don't I mean, know. Okay, so so here's the thing. Like, anyone taking up the role of the genie after Robin Williams is immediately going to be under flack for trying to recreate that iconic role. Mm-hmm. At least it's someone like Will Smith whose reputation is so vast that he could take a hit like this and it not matter to him in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, I agree. I think he's, um, like what? I will give him a chance, and I think that the biggest problem here is yeah, you're kind of comparing it to Robin Williams, and you have this. Uh, memory and recollection of it from your childhood is being this one thing 
and now it's not. But I think if Aladdin had come out in the 90s and it wasn't Robin Williams playing it, it was Will Smith, everybody would probably be fine with it because I like Will Smith. He's a fine actor. Um, and he's got... I wouldn't compare him to Robin Williams in terms of their uh, style, but they do have a similar sensibility where they're just like they're generally they're, lovable people. You could, it's hard to find somebody. Yeah, they that have they earnestly. They both have Will charisma. Smith. Yeah, so and it's just a different kind of charisma. Um, if you've ever seen Aladdin on Broadway, uh, the way that they go about it is he's the genie. He kind of looks like what Will Smith looked like in that EW picture in terms of his costume. It's just like a, you know, this fancy kind of Arabian outfit. And uh, he's not blue. They don't paint him or anything. And it's just like this big, uh, like the original cast genie was like this big, overweight black dude. And he was great. Um, And he didn't like try to do Robin Williams because like, what would be the point? Um, he kind of made it his own thing, and it was more about the singing, which really mm-hmm. sold it, because he was a fantastic singer, and he was a funny guy, um, and he had a lot of charisma. Now, Will Smith's not really a singer, but... What are you, what are I, you talking about? He's a He rapper. is known for his, yeah, his, his extensive musical work. Oh my god, do you think they're going to do that? We saw in the, the, that sneak peek that they, they had the, the elephants walking through town and uh, that, that one scene where Aladdin comes in as, like, Prince Ali, right? Mm-hmm. Do you think they're going to have Will Smith rap a song there? Well, there's a song that goes there, and I'm thinking that that picture from EW is... That's the scene that that's from, because in the in the cartoon, he turns himself into a person. Oh, he turns himself into a giant fat woman, actually. Um, well, the guy that's singing Prince Ali, he's like the, like the band leader who is also yeah. a genie. Um, that's just a dude. He turns himself into a, he turns himself into a lot of things. Like he turns himself into a woman and like a little kid at one point, because um, he's he's whimsical and funny. He's the genie. I wonder if they're going to turn Will Smith into a lady. That's going to be funny. <laughs> it's actually probably they probably can't like... do that in 2019. No, they're gonna they're gonna like turn Will Smith. They're gonna like CGI his face onto a little kid's body and just make it oh, really God. uncanny valley. That's gonna be <laughs> or would great. they just use Jaden Smith hilarious. at that point? It would be it'd be Willow Smith. I feel like Willow Smith looks more like Will than Jaden does. Yeah, this is uh, this is the these are this is the most fascinating speculation I think we've had in a while. Just because I can <laughs> see it happening in my brain. And it's probably one of the most horrific images I've thought of in a while. Yeah. They're doing all these live-action remakes. It's interesting. Like, they're doing Lion King. You sent a bunch of pictures of that. Lion King's a funny one because, like... It's not live-action? Yeah, exactly. It's just a different kind of animation. Um, I would assume they're doing, like, mocap and stuff. Are you familiar with this production? Have you been following it? You seem to be following it more than I have. I've not really been following the production of it. I know the actors involved. Um, I don't even know. Do, do you remember the, the Disney movie Dinosaur that came out in the early 2000s? Mm-hmm. Okay, so that one was really uh, disorienting to watch because they filmed the slates in live action on different locations. And then they added all the characters in post with CGI. I don't even know if that's what they're doing with Lion King. I mean... At this point, everything looks so photorealistic, they either could or they couldn't be shooting actual live-action slates out in Africa. 
Mm-hmm. I can't tell, but I mean, if 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 they were doing that, then an argument could be made that you know aspects of the movie are actually real. But well, Jungle I, Book I doubt did it. that. Like mm-hmm. Jungle Book did that a bit, but like vast swaths of it were CGI. They were definitely on sets. They weren't actually out in in India, but um, yeah, they it, yeah. If you've seen like the behind the scenes for Jungle Book, it's just blue. Yeah. Like it looks like the Return of the or the uh, the Revenge of the Sith. Right, sets. but it's. Because I feel like I've seen a lot of pictures of, like, uh, the kid who plays Mowgli on sets, and, like, he's in bushes and stuff. And there might be, like, blue or green in the background, but they're building something. It's like uh, how at the end of uh, Batman v Superman, we get all those pictures of, of the Justice League standing around a bunch of rocks and then big green screens in the background. Yeah, with all the little, uh, all the crosses behind Superman, because... Uh, you can't in fairness, like subtlety. <laughs> I like seeing them without their capes because they CGI'd the cape in later. That was always you funny. know. Okay, so you know what's like really funny. I, you always know that they CGI the capes on just because it's easier, right? I think the only one that they didn't was like. God, did they, they didn't do it do for like every the scene? They only like action scenes, I think. Um, right, but like it's. it's I'm it sure was, they. Was... I'm sure that they did it in Dark Knight at some point. Sure. It was uh it it's it's never really been like noticeably CGI, right? Until I saw Aquaman, where um, Bible Man's costume has a cape <laughs> at the end of it, and I was, I, I don't something about it just looked weird. And granted, there's a lot of CGI in Aquaman, and some of it looks really pretty, like the stuff in Atlantis looks really pretty. Uh, mm-hmm. but some of the other decisions, uh feel weird like bible man's uh mask it moves with his expressions like deadpool except it's silver and metallic and so it comes across looking like the t-1000 from t2 like 20 years ago and it it just looks off yeah i i still have yet to see aquaman um i'll probably just wait till it's on netflix or something uh I have it'll be on Warner's streaming service, so uh, watch it. I saw but... I saw it a second time, and I got to tell you, um, one of the best ways to watch that movie. I mean, you've seen James Wan films before, right? Mm-hmm. Um. All right. So he has this particular way of filming fight scenes, um, and he'll do it like once or twice in most of his movies, where it's the uh, the old kung fu movie style, where the camera's on track and the track goes like three sixty around two people as they fight. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like um, he's done that in like some of his horror movies as well. Oh, has he? I've 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 only seen like Star Trek and Fast and the Furious. But take a shot of Jameson every time that happens in Aquaman, and I swear to God, by the end of the movie, you will be so fucked up, mm-hmm. you will have had the dead. best time. You will probably be dead. <laughs> Cause yeah, of death, I... fucking Aquaman. <laughs> I haven't seen Aquaman, but I do remember watching the trailer and thinking the CGI looked kind of wonky uh, at some points. Yeah, and then uh, James Wan came out and he said that it was a it was a disgrace that the movie wasn't nominated for an Academy Award for visual effects. Mm-hmm. And um, I I gotta I gotta disagree. I feel like sometimes yes, you can create these giant, big, elaborate CGI worlds, and they can look really impressive. Um, but but like I I think my perfect example for 
an awards decision that I agree with is back in like the the 2015-2016 Academy Awards when uh, Ex Machina was going up against The Force Awakens and The Force Uh Awakens had wonderful, spectacular, beautiful VFX um, but with Ex Machina even though the budget was much smaller and the VFX were less prominently used it was VFX used to completely blend aspects of the film together because with Ex Machina, it never felt like Ava was a CGI entity or a separate entity. It felt completely integrated into the movie, and it, it never once crossed my mind that that was CGI, even though it was. And I don't, I don't know. It's it's a very touchy, touchy subject. But at the same time, I I I disagree with the '97 awards where um, Starship Troopers lost the Titanic, and it, that's I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, um, well, it's definitely a lot more difficult to do it the Ex Machina way than it is to do, you know, the Aquaman way. Where, I mean, I'm not saying that CGI is easy to do in any any circumstance. It takes a lot of uh, talent um, and a lot of work. But to integrate it flawlessly and make it look real, that's, you know, something completely different than just like, oh, we're going to make this Transformer. Because, like, once you have, a, you know, a digital artist that can create those images and stuff in a computer then you could literally do anything like you could make anything that you want so the um what's impressive about those types of things isn't necessarily the cgi itself it's the artistic direction um so like character designs and uh you know world designs i think that in terms of actually integrating you know computer generated images into a motion picture it's much more impressive when they can do it and you can't tell um, than yeah. it is well, I think, just, like, shoveling shit on the screen, like Star Wars. And, yeah, and a lot of it comes down to, like, the way the film shoots it as well. Um, because a lot of the times when you have these giant blockbusters with scenes completely composed of CGI, they like to do camera movements that would otherwise be impossible, Right. So you have, like, the camera, like, zooming and moving through all these things and going places where a cameraman couldn't and all these all these different things. But one of the most spectacular uses of um, VFX that I've seen in a while was in Blade Runner 2049. And, um, I don't know, it just comes down to the way that movie was shot. Everything looked so beautiful and so gorgeous that you kind of have to step back from the movie at certain points and just admire how gorgeous everything is on a purely visual level um Mm -hmm. and on that note uh yeah best cinematography not going to be aired at the uh the academy awards this year really yeah that's going to be presented during the commercial break yeah i know it's uh it's really a shame i mean it's going it's they're not even doing it at like the 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 technical awards like because they do two ceremonies. They do one for, like, you know, the big prestige stuff that you see on TV. And they do another one where it's just kind of industry people. Um, but they're doing it in during commercial break? Yeah, they're doing... Um, that I seems so that fucking are, disrespectful. The two that people are, like, super upset about is they're presenting uh, best cinematography and best editing. Um, not on air. Wow. And those uh, are two, two like, more. really there important was, categories. 
Yeah, there's two more, but I forgot what those categories were. Um, but those are the two that they're not presenting, and that's what people are pissed. Like, Guillermo del Toro was, like, super pissed about it. He's yeah, like, I would be, too. are essential elements to the craft that we have. Um, the Oscars is such a fucking have... joke. Like, it is. Yeah. And they seem to just be hell-bent on making it worse. It's like, people already don't really give a shit. But, like, when you're starting to do things like that, the people that actually care about, you know, film as an art form, you're just shitting on them. Like, you're shitting on industry professionals. You're shitting on the art form itself. It's like, I don't give... So they'll they'll do this, and then they'll bring this best popular movie next year, and I'm sure that's not going to air during the commercials. It's just so dumb. Wow. Fuck you, Oscars. What the hell? Yeah, I... uh... I don't know. It's, it's, yeah. I mean, really, every year there's kind of one thing that I'm rooting for to win. Mm-hmm. Uh, a few years ago, it was, it was, I was really hoping Whiplash would win Best Picture, but, I mean, it, it wouldn't because, you know, first time director. Um, but that was what I was rooting for. And um, a few years ago, it was Blade Runner 2049 for cinematography that won. Uh, this year, it's uh, Into the Spider-Verse for Best Animated Feature, which it, it's won every other award so far. It won the Golden Globes, won the BAFTAs, uh, won the Producers Guild Awards. So, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's, it's got one more left. I don't know. What do you think the impetus is behind that? Why would they do that? Just because it's not fun to Just watch, I guess? because it's won all the other ones. Like, general audiences um, probably don't care? Uh, I'm, t- I'm mean? sorry. Like I'm choosing... I, I'm, I mean, getting rid of uh, cinematography and editing, not airing those. I completely uh, just changed the subject. I was still thinking about this. I I don't know. Um, I think it's probably the ones that are not presented to celebrities, and right. I honestly think that that's probably why. Yeah, it's just all for the sake of the telecast. But it's like. Here's the thing, it's like, the Oscars are boring anyway. Like, if you talk to most general audience people, um, maybe they'll see a movie based on the fact that it won an Academy Award, but I don't think I've ever met anyone that's ever really psyched to watch the Oscars. Um, Even, like, when we used to, like, when we were living in The New Yorker and we we would all watch it in the, um, the, the lounge... I felt like that was more being ironic than anything else. It wasn't like when people watch the Super Bowl because they really, really want to see it. It's just like, well, it's on. I guess it's kind of important. Um, but if you're yeah, really tailoring they, it... They always feel like they're kind of like holding you hostage through those commercial breaks, too, where it's like, <laughs> yeah. we're presenting this award next time, and then you know the next time will come, and we're like, ha-ha, fuck you, just kidding. Uh, we meant next, next time. And so you're like, well, I, I want to see what best live action short wants. So I guess I got to sit here. <laughs> yeah, well, it makes it difficult to reckon. Like, if you're just doing things for the sake of the telecast and making it as interesting as possible, it's hard to reconcile the fact that it's the Oscars with um, the idea that it's going to be something that general audiences are going to watch or want to watch. Um, because it's just, it's boring. It It simply is. Like, just handing out a statue for a movie that most people haven't seen. Um, nobody's going to really want to watch that. Like, I understand that they have decent ratings and stuff, but if we're really just focusing on the spectacle of it, you could do so much more than just cut the boring awards. Um, 
at that point, it's just like, well, then make it like the fucking MTV Awards where they're just doing goofy meme shit and nobody cares and everybody's just watching because it's ridiculous. Um, you know what's really funny uh, is watching the Golden Globes as opposed to watching the Academy Awards are two very different environments because with the Academy Awards, it's always like people are sitting in an auditorium being very quiet and very still as all these awards are presented. And with the Golden Globes, like everyone's sitting at a table and drinking champagne and wine and just getting drunk throughout the course of the night to like the point where like the end of the night everyone's kind of trashed um yeah the globes are supposed to be fun uh yeah and they are they're just so much more fun and enjoyable to watch but i don't know all the uh all the prestige comes from the the oscar Mm -hmm. yeah i know a manager that um i won't say his name because that would be weird but uh he has a client that is on a very very big tv show right now and so he was at the emmys and he was at the golden globes and one of the times that i saw him last i was just like uh how are the emmys he's like they sucked um it was was (laughs) fine but the golden globes is much more fun because you're sitting in a table and uh everybody is you know eating and drinking and it's it's more like a social gathering he didn't say the 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 emmys actually sucked that was me editorializing his comment but i didn't even say his name so who fucking cares michael yeah, anyway. this person's just going to not get invited back next year. It's like, oh, we heard you <laughs> like sucked on this sick, fucking podcast. We figured, we deduced who it was based on uh, the things. Based that... on Tyler Pino's Twitter followers <laughs> and contact list. <laughs> it's uh, The Emmys are serious business. They uh, Lots of uh, fucking Emmy Sicarios out there waiting to axe you from the list if you step out of line. What is Black this, the video game it. industry? <laughs> You know, to, to the to the to the extent of my knowledge, that's the like the video game industry is the only industry that can get away with some of the most malicious and anti-consumer practices and still exist. Like, yeah. Any, any other? Yeah. No. Any other industry like Blizzard, Activision, uh, they just laid off uh, like eight percent of their entire workforce. Mm-hmm. Um, that's rough. Even though they had like a record-setting revenue for this fiscal year um more money than they've ever made before and as a result they had to yeah they had to lay off like 800 something employees did they give uh, a reason um yes it's because that even though they want more uh, money record-setting revenues for this past fiscal year uh that that's that didn't hit expectations so as a result they're restructuring their company what did Activision make this year? What is their big meme game? Call of Duty. I mean, every year it's Call of Duty. Oh, okay. So, yeah, they're the Call of Duty people. I don't know dick about the yeah, and, and actually, the, the same thing happened to EA. Um, EA sucks, though. Like, yeah, EA. I mean, they, they all suck. Take fucking, two, fuck Apex Legends. Blizzard. I'm going to say it right here on the podcast. Apex Legends, it's a bad game. It's not really EA. It's like a subsidiary of EA that made that, but still, it sucks. I hate it. Yeah, Why well, would you make a EA's game where you have to play in trios? Like, I look, I could find four, fr- or I could find three friends, or I could find one friend. Finding two friends to play a video game with at any given time is, is it's, it's difficult to do, and it's stupid, and that should not be a core component to your game. You shouldn't make people play in squads. They don't want to play in squads, Michael. I want to play solos. That's it. 
I don't want to talk to people. I especially don't want to talk to like random people on the internet, like and just like be ear raped by some fucking ten year old that's like, ah, listen to my callouts. And it's a very callout centric game, Apex Legends. Have you played it? I have not. I know it's a Respawn Entertainment's new game, and I know it's published by EA. And the funny thing about that game, though, is that. Uh, the developer Respawn has been very clear that EA had nothing to do with the production of the game. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I have, I, I have heard that where they're like, yeah, technically we're, you know, some EA subsidiary, but we don't really have anything to do with them. Don't worry about the microtransactions, but the microtransactions are coming. Um, yeah, but like, here's the thing. Like, the thing with the Apex Legend, it's, 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 it's microtransactions. It's a free-to-play game economy, but the game mm-hmm. is free-to-play. It's not something like Star Wars Battlefront 2 when it launched and you had to pay $60 to get the game, and then on top of that, it had, like, a free-to-play microtransaction fucking experience. Um, did they do that? I, th- I thought they fixed... Oh, no, they... They, they did... Well, they, they removed tried the to loot boxes, but they was, still yeah. have microtransactions in it. Um, but, like, like, here's the thing. You can have a free-to-play economy. I'm fine with having, like, oh, spend $5, get this character. Spend $5, get the skin. I'm fine with that if you're not charging premium price for your game already. If mm-hmm. I pay you $60 for a game, I should get the game. Yeah, no, and absolutely. Nowadays, that, that's that's not even how it fucking works because now, like, we have day one DLC. You have um, deluxe edition passes. You have season passes. You have multiple season passes. So much content is now removed from the game that $60 isn't the price of the game. That's, like, the starting price for the game. Mm-hmm. And it's it's fucking ridiculous. And then on top of this, they have like loot boxes and microtransactions. Like it's it's not. They're trying to get all of the money they possibly can out of you, and it's fucking aggravating. Yeah, and it's terrible. You're paying for when you pay for a AAA title. Yeah, you should have a decent uh, experience out of the box. There should be no fucking changing the game based on who wants to play more. And that's. That was the problem with Battlefront 1. It was basically fucking play to win. Um, I thought that they fixed it by the time Battlefront 2 came around. Didn't play that game, but I guess they didn't. Yeah, well, what did it, well one of the things that, too, that came out with Battlefront 1 was that, uh, I think it was Blake Jorgensen, uh, the person in charge of EA at the time, uh, stated that they, they really had to rush the production of the game in order to get it out to coincide with the oh, release of Force, the Force Awakens. Awakens. It did yeah, feel so unfinished. They cut out- it, like more yeah, than so any they, other game that I've played, it had like three, three stages, um, and uh, everything else you had to wait or you had to buy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Still fun. It was a fun game to play. I like. Yeah. Did you did you actually stages. see someone uh someone released a a chart, and it was um. It was like two thousand two to like two thousand six or something like the period when the prequels were coming out, and it was uh, Star Wars games under the Lucas Arts license and they'd released mm-hmm. like 12 games and then it was the same four-year period where it's like star wars games under the license of ea like 2015 to 2019 and it was two games because <laughs> like yeah. in that in that initial time with lucas arts you had like fucking um republic commando battlefront knights of the old republic um jedi outcast jedi knight Starfighter, like the pod racing game, like this mm-hmm. this vast variety of all these types of just genres, and now that it's being consolidated by one specific publisher, in four years you've given us two fucking live service, online only shooting games. 
Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, I don't but, even know if you heard about the uh, the ones that were canceled because um, the guys who made uh, Dead Space Visceral Games they were working on a, a narrative driven uh, linear Star Wars game, and EA didn't think that that would be profitable enough, so they canceled the game. Uh, and then some other studio was working on that an sucks. open that was the world one, right? No, that was uh, that was thirteen thirteen. That never got off the ground actually. Um, because that 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 was being developed by LucasArts um, in like 2012, and it was right when they dissolved LucasArts. Um, okay. But then there was also an open world. So yeah, where you play as young Boba Fett, that'd be fucking cool. Um, but there was also like supposed to be an open world Star Wars game, um, and then that got canned because they wouldn't be able to like microtransaction the shit out of it. Um, so yeah, we just have two Battlefront games now. Neither of them are are great. Are all that great? Yeah, that's a shame because like more so than the movies, I'm interested in Star Wars video games at this point because like it's such a neat world that you always kind of want to play around in. Um, and there's only so much that you could do with the movies as they keep demonstrating, where it's just like, well, we're gonna do the same thing. Over we're gonna over. destroy the super weapon. It's like, I don't mind watching a super weapon being destroyed so long as I'm the one destroying it. Because then it's like, you get that interactive component, you feel like you're in the world. I want a really good, like, immersive open-world Star Wars game. I think that would be great. Um, and they had the potential to do it, but for some reason they just don't want to. And, and it's such a bummer, too, because, like, Battlefront, um, even the first, like, 2015 one, like, looking at it, like, there's certain places, like, on Endor... Or Tatooine, where you just stand there. It's so gorgeous. Like, you never really feel that level of immersion just looking out at a field being like, wow, this is this fucking alien planet. Or Yellowstone National Park, one of the two. Um, but it's one of those things where it's like, in, in a world where we have the power of these consoles to be driven so far and to make things so photorealistic, we don't have anything to immerse ourselves in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's rough. Um, yeah, because I just played Red Dead 2, which was great. Um, and it was a very immersive game. It's a little bit slow getting into it, but once you once you get the ball rolling, it's great. Um, I would like something like that with Star Wars, where it's just like, you know... I'm well, yeah, that was the plan. They, they had an open-world Star Wars game. And that would be so fucking dope. Like, uh, that's what they should be doing. They should put all of their resources into that instead of trying to do this... Multiplayer. I'm kind of sick of just online multiplayer games. I guess I like. I don't know. I feel like we haven't had a really good one in a long time. Fortnite well, is a so, thing, but like Fortnite sucks. Um, they're so one note. That's the problem. Like you yeah. can't go back into it. Like I like I'll sit here and play. Um, I have Battlefront. I play it a lot for the most superficial reason of I get to be a stormtrooper. Like, that's it. Like, the the actual multiplayer shooting element isn't necessarily that appealing. But, man, I get to run around Tatooine as a stormtrooper, and that's fucking cool. But even sitting there playing it, like, I'll play it for, like, an hour, two hours max, and then I'll be like, I didn't get to play the maps I wanted to play. But at this point, shooting things is boring. So I'm going to put this down. Mm-hmm. And... I don't know, like, if, if I'm not working towards, like, an actual narrative or a story, like, there doesn't... Like, I'm not gonna sit down and play Battlefront for, like, the 30 hours that I would playing something like Mass Effect. Right, right. Um, yeah, like, 
it seems that everything is very esports oriented right now. Like they want everybody wants to be the next Fortnite, where it's like, oh, Fortnite's huge on Twitch, and everybody's talking about it, and everybody's playing. It's a very simple premise, but it's something that people put hours and hours into. Um, but I've you know always preferred games with a narrative. I like to play games that look nice. I like to play games that have a good story. I like to play games that are immersive. And you don't really get that from esports titles. Like, I'll play Overwatch, and I like Overwatch a lot, but, you know, that's a game that's fun to play with friends. But sometimes you don't want to log on and have to wait for, you know, people to squat up with. You just want to sit down and play a game for a couple of hours. Um, well, and, like, and one of the most frustrating things, too, is that, like, EA has been saying that, you know, single-player games don't sell. Like, people want uh, live That's a damn services. lie, though. Like, look how much fucking yeah, like, Red Dead 2 made. Look at, look at look how much Red Dead 2 made. Look at how much Marvel Spider-Man made. Look how much God of War made. Look mm-hmm. at how well Resident Evil 2 is doing. Like, all these prime examples that they seem to be just ignoring. Um, and, and they're just completely oblivious to the way the market is shifting. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's it's frustrating. Give us give us more Star Wars games. I think that's the point of this. Yeah, more and better. Like more um, and better. Because I don't need another twelve Battlefronts where they're all just the same thing. <laughs> like, the... God, the one thing that would be fucking aggravating if they're like, "We heard your request, and we're gonna give you more Star Wars games. Star Wars is gonna be the new Call of Duty. We're gonna make one Battlefront every year." Yeah, and that seems like what the minute the want, new one comes like... out, the last one is completely obsolete. <laughs> I ain't never played one of them Call of Duty games, and I have no interest. Um, I'm much more interested in yeah, narrative-driven games. I don't know. Like, yeah, it's fun well, to watch Fortnite on Twitch sometimes, but, you know. Well, it's, it's, and uh, I can't it's even say that I don't um, play Fortnite all the time, because I do. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't like it. I don't know anybody that plays it that actually likes it. Every time I play, I'm like, it's a bad game. It sucks. Is it like Fix the video game equivalent of, like, The Walking Dead? Because, like, yeah, everyone that yeah, I talk to that's watched The Walking Dead, they're like, yeah, I still watch it, but I don't like it. It's kind of a chore to watch it. It's not good. And then I'm just like, why the fuck are you watching it then? And I'm like, oh, you know, because I've watched it since the first season, and, like, I just feel like I have to at this point. Like, it's just pure yeah. stubbornness. They're just like, I'm going to see what happens. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah, I mean, I would probably have abandoned it a long time ago if I didn't have friends that are always playing it. Like, I find that whenever I log on to Discord and people are playing it, I'm like, okay, I'll jump in for a little while. Um, but, yeah, no, it's it's not it's not good. Like, I'll, it's an interesting game, and I think it's a very cool premise. What I do like about Fortnite is the level of lateral thinking that uh, is required to play it well. Um, it's mm-hmm. kind of unlike a lot of other games in that regard. It doesn't feel like a regular shooter because it's not. But, like, there, you know, with Fortnite, there are constantly new strategies coming out. With something like Halo, it's like Halo was great, but once you master Halo, you've kind of mastered Halo. There wasn't, you know, a whole lot of high level strategy going into it after you reach a certain point. With Fortnite, I feel like every week I'm hearing about a new thing that somebody's figured out how to do to change, um, you know, the overall strategic gameplay. And I can't think of any other games that really have something like that. But at the same time, it's like, it's not a really fun experience if you're bad at it. And it's not a game that, like, 
they, it seems like they're trying to get newcomers and give them a chance. There's a lot of like RNG elements that uh, they're they're they keep adding every season and every update. Where it's just like this will help you out, and then people that are really good at it get very angry because it just makes it more random. But um, it's not an easy game to jump into and just start playing. In fact, like once you do jump in, if it's your first time playing Fortnite, you're going to hate the game for months, months and months and months. Um, and if you're like me and you're bad at video games, no matter how much time you put into them, you're going to hate it forever. <laughs> but you'll still play it. It's like there's, I don't know, they've 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 mastered. Um, the art of, of sadomasochism and bringing that out in people. <laughs> well, it's just, it's just, so whenever I see like one of these competitive games, um, like League of Legends, Overwatch, Fortnite, um, my question is always like, why? <laughs> why am I, why am I, why am I playing this? Why am I shooting this person? And if the answer is, oh, it's because they're, they're trying to shoot you, I'm like, well, that's not a fucking compelling. I, I don't know. Is that too is that too pretentious to say to like I want a reason for why I'm shooting someone? <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, like, yeah, I feel like well, it's reasonable, I, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. I, well, some people like you know story-driven single-player games, and I'm one of those people. Like those tend to be my favorite things. Like esports are fine to play for a while, but I, I, it's hard to really get invested unless you're really, really good at them, and I simply am not. So. <laughs> Um, I like games that will let me uh, just fight a bunch of robots and uh, not have to worry about fighting actual people who have, you know, put more time and effort into it than I have. Because it makes me feel bad about myself. I, it lowers my self-esteem. I'm like, oh my god, I just got <laughs> killed by a fucking ten-year-old six times in a row. Um, fucking Lord knows. <laughs> probably shouldn't be dealing with any less confidence. Right. Yeah, it's it's rough. Um, Fortnite is. I like Overwatch better. Overwatch is probably my favorite, like quote unquote, esports title, uh, where it's just you know it's the same thing over and over again. But it's it's more fun because it's easier, and you don't you, the game's not over when you die. You just keep going until the time runs out. Well, you know, like the the upsetting thing too is, uh, I mean, you're familiar with uh, Bioware, right? Like the company. Mm-hmm. They did, like, Dragon Age and Mass Effect and Knights of the Old Republic. Yeah. Um, all these really narrative-driven games. Uh, and their their new game, Anthem, is a... They're referring to it as a looter shooter, like Destiny, where you jump in with three friends, and you go and you kill high-level enemies to get, like, rare weapons and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so far every single one of their like marketing items has been like here's what you can get like here's what the end game content is like here's what our uh our you know like loot system is like and i'm just like this is the same company that brought us like fucking knights of the old republic or like dragon age origins and it's it's sad to see that ea has just taken this wonderful storytelling company and just molded them into destiny essentially yeah it's too bad yeah it's like imagine like if rockstar just all of a sudden they decided that oh no we're just gonna make a battle royale based on grand theft auto and then that's all we're gonna make ever again it'd be like yeah, uh, yeah precisely it'd be terrible or or it's like it's like looking like um 
if Quentin Tarantino was to make a Marvel movie and it's like, yeah, so what's it, what's it going to be? It's going to be this great looking, flat looking, you know, musically challenged piece where this, this guy fights the bad guy version of himself and he makes an armor suit that gives him powers. And Brilliant. it's like, okay, so you literally just made the same movie that everyone else made. Yeah. Yeah. It's rough. It's this seems to be like an increasing trend in our culture. This just like fast food version of things that we all love. Um, just simple fast food versions of movies, simple fast food versions of video games, simple fast food versions of I don't know, just about everything. Um, well, really, it's just the video games and movies, but that's all that matters to me. So I figured that's probably all that matters in the world. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of precisely what's been happening. It's Well, here's the thing. We've shifted over to this paradigm where it it eliminates the middle ground. Mm-hmm. Like, with movies and with video... Actually, the two markets are very similar. Um, you either have giant, like, multi-hundreds-of-million-dollar, like, epic blockbuster Marvel movies, or you have indie movies. With mm-hmm. video games, you either have Call of Duty or Thomas Was Alone. Like, there's no um, middle ground between the independent game and the AAA title. Right. Like, there's no moderately sized budget for a fucking video game. Now, it's 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 either, like, 20 people renting out an office space making a game, or it's a multi-mega-million-dollar company trying to create the, the newest microtransaction scheme to make all the money in the fucking world. Like, there's no middle point. And, like, likewise, I feel like every time I open Collider, I'm always seeing, like, oh, fucking Black Panther makes all the most money, like, largest opening weekend ever. Oh, Infinity War makes the largest opening weekend ever. Aquaman, largest opening weekend. Fucking Captain Marvel pre-sales are so incredible. Like, it's always about breaking the last milestone. Mm Mm-hmm. And it feels like a kind of growth that's insustainable. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because the minute something doesn't become the biggest thing on the fucking planet, they're going to do what Activision Blizzard just did and lay off like 800 people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it. well, it's rough with video games because like there's so much money that goes into it like there's so much just to make even like a bad game cost so much money but the same could be said of movies but with movies like studios are making them and they make a million things at once with video games like even the bigger um, companies you know you're only working on one game for years at a time sometimes so it's like uh, there's a lot of you know R&D that has to go into it and and, and a lot of cash so they're wanting to get as much bang for the buck as they possibly can but it seems to be making the industry worse like video games I've said this before it always feels like because I don't I'm not like a major video game person I'm not a gamer as the kids would say Um, I kind of check in once every couple of years and I feel like every time I do check in it's gotten worse like it's the only industry that doesn't have any sort of upward trend um, every time yeah. like I sit down and do it again, I feel like my experience is a little bit worse. Like it started well, I feel out like every 
once every couple of years they'll have like this newest like scheme to try and just finagle more money out of your wallet. Like a few mm-hmm. years ago, it was um, it was a day one DLC. Yeah. Whereas like content taken out of the game, and then you have to pay like another nine dollars to get like this extra side mission. Yeah. Then it was what would have project... originally been in the game had this. Stupid yeah. Then then it was like come out. Uh, project. Then it was like project ten dollars where. Uh, they give you like a code when you buy the game and that downloads like the other half of the game so if you buy the game used you don't get half the content um and like every every year everyone's like this is the worst it's gonna get and then the next year they they find something that makes it worse like they they went from like that to drm to microtransactions to loot boxes to live services now and like the market is just becoming so much more anti-consumer with each and every iteration yeah yeah and people still pay for it which is crazy yeah like i like there's only like a few companies that like i i would okay so like nintendo is a is a good uh example um Mm -hmm. nintendo makes video games and then sells the video games and that's where their profit comes from. Like, it's fucking unbelievable that someone you, you can just make a video game and sell it and make money off of that. Mm-hmm. But, like, Zelda, Breath of the Wild, or Super Mario Odyssey, or Super Smash Brothers, like, they release a game, and the game makes money. And that's all there is to it. Yeah. And Yeah, I, for the longest time, they weren't even making you pay for, like, online. Now they are with Nintendo... What is it? Nintendo Live? Nintendo Connect? Whatever the fuck it's called. I don't know. I have it. I don't know what it's called. But the only reason I don't know what it's called is because they did it in a very like reasonable way where I had to pay $20 for it. Now I get it for the whole year. Um, and I don't have to worry about putting my credit card information in once a month and having them like fucking run my card and then being $20 uh, poorer for the week. But like... I think twenty dollars for a year long subscription, that's a very reasonable thing. Whereas like, you know, yeah. Xbox I mean, and PlayStation I, I, is ten dollars a month. Um, yeah, I yeah, I pay I think I pay like eleven dollars a month for Xbox Live. And it's just one of those things where I play I pay it to play Battlefront two because I can only play that game online and then forty percent of the time I log into that game the fucking servers are down. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah, I paid sixty dollars for the game. I'm so paying one hundred twenty dollars to actually play the game the way it's intended to, and half the time I fucking play the game, it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's another thing that Nintendo does really well. It's like uh, there are a lot of people in in the Discord that I moderate that have uh, Switch, but they don't have it online, but they still play Switch all the time. You don't need to play online, and then like you could even play like Fortnite on Switch without Nintendo. It's, uh, whatever their fucking thing is called. I still haven't figured that out. Um, so if you have to play it online, they'll let you, but the rest of it is just kind of bonus. Like, so if you want to play Smash online, yeah, you have to pay for the subscription, but it's, you know, it's a reasonable subscription considering you get it for the entire year. And if you don't, then you can still play Smash relatively easily. Um, just play it with fucking bots and play their uh, story mode. Yeah, I... um. It's, it's absurd that of all the video game companies that are out there, only one is still just making video games to sell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're, you know, Nintendo's great. I, I don't give them enough credit. Like, 
when I'm thinking about like the video game industry because I always kind of forget that they're there <laughs> like because they make like their games aren't necessarily tailored to me. That's more of like a family oriented uh, game. Yeah, platform. I mean, I, I have a Switch and I like it, but I don't even I don't even own a Switch. Um, I would probably play Super Mario Odyssey, but I mean, there's nothing really on the Switch that I care a whole lot to play. But at mm-hmm. the same time, like I, I want to support the company motto that they have. I want to support their business model. Um, yeah. Well, the Switch is great. And what's great about Nintendo is they're always trying to innovate, too. Like, it's not enough for them just to put out a next-gen console. Because, like, you know, PS4, like, what's the difference between PS4 and PS3? The graphics are better. And that's basically it. Um, they'll do hardware upgrades. But Nintendo, like, with the Switch... I play Switch handheld all the time. Like, if I'm on the subway, I'll play Super Smash Brothers. if I'm on the subway for a long time. If I'm sitting at, like, Actors Connection waiting for an audition, um, I'll play Switch. And you could take it with you. It's like having a fucking, you know, it's it's combining mobile gaming with, with console gaming, and it does it in a really spectacular way. Um, so it's, like, not enough for Nintendo just to come out with a console. They want to give you something more, and that's... That's terrific. That should be applauded. That should be the industry model that everybody's basing themselves on. Um, but somehow it's not. <laughs> yeah. I I don't understand it. I've Somehow, I, I, I don't know any other business that can look success directly in the face and say, that's not working. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, maybe Warner Brothers. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, you know, we've never talked about that Joker movie. Um, what do you, what do you think? Maybe not. Um, it's, uh, I'm excited to see it. I think, um, yeah. Who's the director? Todd Phillips, right? Uh huh. Guy who did the, uh, the Hangover movies, I believe. Yep. Which is interesting. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting, but, um, you remember Zach, right? Zach pointed out to me, mm-hmm. um, that The Hangover 2 starts off very fascinating like it's not a very funny movie but it's a very dramatic movie yeah yeah and yeah that that argument can be made it's 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 a rather good argument so it'll be interesting to see what this joker movie comes out to be um i think just as a concept um it's kind of hilarious like i i want to see it i'm more excited to see this than i am for anything else really coming out of dc um Especially since they just announced that the sequel to Aquaman is going to be a horror movie, which is oh hell interesting. yeah, <laughs> um, it's interesting. Let me tell you. But, well, uh, you know, but here's just... the thing. I I I would like I would rather have that version of an Aquaman sequel than just like a standard Marvel ripoff. Like yeah, um, think about like... like at this point, it it feels like it's so all over the place. Like it doesn't feel like there is a a plan. Or an idea, like, and with, and with this Joker movie, it just kind of feels like they're throwing everything at the wall because eventually one of these things are gonna land. Well, to me, like the whole Joker movie, it just feels like, and it's not going to be this uh, in terms of the content of the film, but it feels like a Suicide Squad mulligan where they're like, oh, we fucked that up. Like, we were gonna do a movie <laughs> that was villain centric and everybody hated it. Um, and one of the reasons that everybody hated it was because we did the Joker wrong. How do we fix this? Well, let's, they said like Joker wasn't in the movie enough, um, which is true. 
They didn't like the designs. And I, I still don't hate, like, I make fun of Jared Leto's Joker all the time. I don't hate his version of the Joker. I just hate the design of it. Um, I think, like, if you gave him a good movie to be in, it, it would have been fine. Um, but it seems like they're like, oh, they hated the weird design. Let's just make it look exactly like the Heath Ledger thing, only we'll put a little nose on it, which pisses me off. Um, why the Joker's <laughs> never had a fucking red nose? This is weird. Stop doing it. Uh, just make him Heath Ledger if you want. I'd be fine with that. Um, so, yeah, it just it feels like every element that people complained about Suicide Squad, they're trying to redo in this movie. Um, and, you know, I'll, I'll go see it. I'm going to see any of these things. Uh, I mean, it's the Joker, so we're, we're all going to see it. Yeah. Did you hear about that uh, the thing a couple months ago where they were... Uh, it was the scene that they were shooting in the subway in New York, and they had locked the extras in the subway cars. Oh, nice. I've been locked in the subway car that? before, but not by producers, just by the NTA. Um, it's a very claustrophobic experience. Yeah, no, they were, uh, they, they locked them into the subway cars for like four or five hours or something. And people had to oh, like wow. pee. Jesus. And so it was like some of the, uh, some of the footage of like people like screaming and like trying to like pry open the subway doors. Um, it was just yeah, real. It's, it's not acting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's terrific. Yeah. No, it's like, yeah, that would suck, man. Like being stuck on the subway is a terrible feeling. Like you're, like you used to live here, so you know. Like sometimes, yeah. like you'll just get stuck on the track, and like for the most part, you're stuck for maybe a minute or two, and it starts moving. But every once in a if while, it's more it's than just like, like three or four minutes. Yeah, your thought process becomes well. You, I guess I'm gonna die here. Yeah, you start looking around, and people look real agitated. Like, uh oh, what if we're like under the Hudson River right now? What if it breaks? What if we die? <laughs> yeah. um, I'm like, well, we live in New York. <laughs> Sudden death is always a possibility. We chose to live here. Um, <laughs> either be it from like a kaiju attack or some sort of subway malfunction or just plain old-fashioned uh, uh crackheads or terrorists I, I saw this post on uh twitter the other day i forgot who posted it but it, it said something like the 98 godzilla movie should have been called like his size is mildly inconvenient <laughs> his size kept changing too sometimes he's as big as the chrysler building and other times he could just run around the corner and hide in the middle of manhattan and we can't find him and then he could jump into the East River and then just get lost. <laughs> I like, yeah, Mike Stoklasa pointed this out when they were talking about the new Godzilla. It was so silly that, like, it, the concept that, like, Godzilla would just come out and choose Manhattan as the place to lay his eggs is bonkers. Or her eggs. Men don't usually lay eggs. Godzilla was a girl in that movie. Because, um, like, why? Why would he choose that place? You choose some place quiet where your eggs are going to be safe. Not some place where some place with a better school district. At you. Yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah, I'm real excited for uh, the Michael Daugherty one though, King of the Monsters. Yeah, the one. Uh, That'll be fun. The new one. Mop I mean, you saw Krampus, right? Yes, I like Krampus a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So I I think I think the thing about Krampus and I think the thing I appreciate about that film is that the movie excels in being exactly what it should be. Hmm. And I really am optimistic that Michael Daughtery has taken that same kind of approach to King of the Monsters. Yeah, I mean, we've spoke about Godzilla on the show pretty extensively, but, like, you know, when that remake movie was good, it was really good. And the parts where it was good was when Godzilla's first blowing shit up. First five minutes with Brian Cranston. Yeah, well, the first, yeah, like that, and when, you know, the monsters are fighting. That's what you want from a Godzilla movie, and they felt, it felt like that movie was dancing around it. Like, it wanted to make the movie about Aaron Taylor Johnson, who was just so boring in the film, 
Um, nothing against him as an actor, but Jesus Christ, that character sucked. Uh, <laughs> like, uh, it was just, man, man, what a boring character. Like, and it's not his fault. It was just, you know, the writing of it, but uh, it, it was just so apathetic. It's like if they killed him in, instead of Brian Cranston, then the movie would have probably been a lot better. But they didn't. And then they didn't want like him to fight weird-looking... Everything has to be a Cloverfield monster. Um, yeah, the Mutos. Yeah, yeah, like, now they're finally going, like, all out. They're like, here's uh, King Ghidra, here's Rodan, here's fucking Mothra. Yeah, put Mothra in the like, fucking a, movie. Like, this movie's Still. one jet jaguar away from just being a fucking family reunion of toy studio monsters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, kaijus are ridiculous. Kaijus are a silly, silly concept, but that's what's great about them. Like, don't shy away from it. Don't try to make, like, a serious Godzilla. Um, make it so it's it's fun and goofy and, and, and you know, uh, schlocky. I mean, I don't... That's I don't even I think it has to be that. Like, it doesn't even have to be fun and goofy. It just has to be entertaining. Like, the mm. problem with the 2014 Godzilla was that it was flat and dull. Like, yeah. there's some really pretty visual moments. There's some really entertaining moments. But those are sporadic um, throughout just Aaron Taylor Johnson's G.I. Brody just fucking boring the scenes up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. And so... Uh... Wasn't good. I was bored. But uh, yeah, it's no one. I'll see it. Put Mothra in the movie. Hell yeah. Mothra's so silly. Yeah, and like and like some of the some of the some it's of a the, giant the trailers that have come out. Defender of mankind. Show some respect for the moth. <laughs> um. And some of like the trailers that have come out, like you see, like, in one of the more recent ones, like Ghidorah's flying, and it's flying like a snake, kind of moves through water and it's it's really cool looking so i'm like holy shit like i can finally see a godzilla movie that like has a budget and that's cool but we'll we'll see how it goes i'm excited i am very excited for that yeah i hope it's good um so what else they announced a breaking bad movie which is going to be a sequel to breaking bad Starring yeah, isn't um, going to Aaron be about Paul. Um, Aaron Paul? Yeah. Yep. So that's interesting. They say it's uh, they're going to release it on Netflix. It looks like. Oh really? All right. Yeah. Let's take a look at what this thing says. Wait, the show later became. Oh, okay. They're talking about Breaking Bad. Gilligan is the writer who's directing the film, which is supposedly about everyone's favorite meth cook, Jesse Pinkman. The movie uh, could even be in the can already. Filming started on the project called Greenbrier, which is reportedly a code name in Breaking Bad's Albuquerque home based in November. Or home base in November. Um, so yeah, the other thing that I said, or saw it, said it was going to be on Netflix, but... Um, I don't know. Interesting. I don't know. Did you like Breaking Bad? Yeah, of course. Breaking I Bad liked was it. Fantastic. Um, it got very depressing by the end of it. You know, it's the one where like I've seen the first and second seasons like two or three times, but like the fourth and fifth part one and two, whatever sixth season, um, I've I've only seen them like once, um, and that's just because like after having watched them, you just feel so incredibly tired. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, 
Like, they're fantastic. It's fantastic television, but at the same time, it's so exhausting. It's just emotionally and psychologically. Yeah, I watched that. Um, I binged the whole thing in the final season because everybody was talking about uh, how good it was. And I just avoided it while it was on TV for some reason. I was like, I don't know. This doesn't look like it appealed to me. And I finally like watched the first couple episodes, and I was like, oh, damn. I missed so many classes <laughs> because I was just watching Breaking Bad instead of going to school. <laughs> <laughs> Like, it was, I, I finished the whole series in, like, uh, four days, but two of those days did not go to class. <laughs> See, that's kind of what I did, like, when the first season of Daredevil came out. Like, I was so excited for that first season of Daredevil. I stayed yeah, up till, like, all three in the morning. It was one it sitting. Dropped, I watched we were going to talk sitting. about it on the podcast, like, later in the week. And I was like, so, where are you in Daredevil? You're like, I'm done. I was like, it came out 45 minutes ago. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember that because I remember the next the next day we were talking. It's like so I'm like three episodes into Daredevil. Like where where are you at? I'm like oh, I finished it. I don't even think that's humanly possible. Did you did you watch it like fucking uh, two times playback? I don't even think they had that on Netflix back then. <laughs> yeah, you were just like, how did you even finish it? And like I didn't. I, it was all one sitting. <laughs> I, I I didn't get food. I just sat on my bed and I watched the whole thing. <laughs> But, I mean, going back to those Marvel shows, last time we spoke, I just started The Punisher Season 2. I've, I've finished The Punisher Season 2, and I can thoroughly say it's not good. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah, it's, it's a bummer. You know, it, it kind of breaks it down to, like, you always see, like, comic book adaptations of characters, and they're, they're adapted a little more for the film. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it works. Sometimes things aren't adapted enough. Sometimes things are overly adapted. And sometimes it just misses the point entirely. Uh, one of the things about Man of Steel that kind of felt weird um, was that they shifted the death of Paul Kent to not be like in the comic books he died of a heart attack and it was really supposed to illustrate like no matter how strong Clark is there's certain things that are just inevitable there's certain things that he can't help yeah Um, humans are frail and that's what he learns from that and in Man of Steel um Paul Kent dies in a tornado that Clark could have saved him from, uh, but he believes it's more important for him to keep his identity a secret. And it mm-hmm. it it doesn't have that same resonance. Well, and it fund it's a fundamental misunderstanding of Paul Kent as a character too. I said I think I said Paul Kent. That was weird. Paul Kent as a character. Um, uh, because his whole thing, like, that's... It, it, Man of Steel does this weird thing where it wants to make Jor-El, like, Superman's primary motivator, but that's not who it was. Like, the Kents were the ones who are supposed to instill, like, the truth, justice, and American way values in him, and, like, you all. Yeah, he's supposed to be people. a boy from fucking Kansas, from right? From Kansas, yeah. That's where he, he's yeah. not... Like, Jor-El is just kind of this distant figure in his life that exists as a construct. It's not supposed to be, like, the person giving him all the advice. Um, and the fact that Pac-Kent well, Motherfucker, would be like, we got Russell Crowe in this role, so we're gonna like, use him as much as we fucking can. He's gonna be hologram dadding this shit up. Yeah. Well, like, in the scene where, uh, you know, where Clark is, like, a teenager, and he's like, what, did you want me to just let the kids die? And he's like, maybe. I'm like, what the fuck? No, that's not what he would say. (laughs) Jesus, what the hell? Like, what lesson are you trying to teach people here? It was just like, 
yeah, they really didn't understand that character. They didn't understand Superman either, but they never really do. Because um, everybody thinks Superman's boring, and that's not true. Uh, it's just people who make Superman movies, it seems like they don't really like Superman all that much. Yeah. But, but I mean, like, but for for The Punisher specifically, um, I've recently rewatched Daredevil Season 2. Uh, still hated it, um, actually. But it was just one of those things where, like, the arc of Frank Castle as the Punisher in that worked so much better than anything out of his two seasons of his own series. Mm-hmm. But yeah. the idea that Frank Castle's family was murdered as a giant, elaborate... At first, in Daredevil, it was like, oh, it was a, it was a drug like conspiracy, and he just he kills Mr. Krabs and like moves on from that right um and like the final shot of him in the show is like burning down his own house and like walking away from it like in the punisher vest and it kind of sets up this whole idea that like now he can be the punisher uh and then it cuts to the punisher series where he's not the punisher and his whole motivation is finding out the even more elaborate conspiracy of who killed his family Mm -hmm. and it really takes away from the idea of who the Punisher is because the Punisher is just kind of like chaotic and in the comic books it was just some random act of violence that got his family murdered in the crossfire it didn't have to be this giant elaborate Tom Clancy conspiracy involving like special forces and marines and the government and all this Mm -hmm. and in making this whole family murder thing a little more poignant and a little more relevant to his character the punisher becomes less of a vigilante and more of just an obsessive murderer and as well as john bernthal plays the role it almost completely defeats the purpose of the character Mm -hmm. and the fact that we've gotten his introduction in daredevil season two um, his own show for Daredevil Season 1 and his own show for Daredevil Season 2 and the fact that the show still constantly revolves around this conspiracy kind of shows that there's really nowhere for it to go. Yeah. Um... Yeah, it's... Uh, I don't know. It's a, The Punisher is a tough character. Like... Sometimes I really like him. Sometimes I'm just like, nah, not for me. Well, it's all in the way the character is kind of utilized. Yeah. Because you can have him utilized in, like, the Daredevil Season 2 way, where he's, like, the antagonist and meant to, like, challenge the morality of the hero, and that's cool. Um, But if you have him essentially just be Jack Ryan, uh, it it doesn't work. It just comes across as um, contrived. Mm-hmm. and that's really the entirety of like the Punisher show it just comes across as real contrived well what's tough with him as a character is like just in basic storytelling terms he's a character that needs you know a really strong arc like you know he has his family killed he comes this like uh, vigilante uh, murderer and then by the end of the story he should be more in line with like typical superheroes right so if you're gonna have an ongoing television show about him it's like well where does the arc go because he should be at that point by the end of it because if he's just you know 
an asshole the whole time. You don't necessarily want to watch that. Um, I'm sure that there are people out there that would just be like, yeah, no, just guns and gore, and that's what the Punisher should be, and that's fine. But I don't think that that really makes for good storytelling. Like, that's what we got with that second Punisher movie, the Punisher Warzone, where it's just like, oh, Mm -hmm. it's just all about gratuitous violence. And, like, I like that movie in that regard. I'm like, it just it feels like a kitschy horror movie. But, um, and I think there, there could be something interesting about making the Punisher literally like just Jason Voorhees or something like make him the bad guy in the movie um, and that's kind of what he was in Daredevil season 2 but well, uh, it, it kind of would come across as something like Gotham Central where you have something like the FBI or the CIA or the DHS like trying to build a case around like a particular drug lord and trying to take down this whole elaborate like drug trade and then Frank Castle just comes in and murders everyone right yeah like he, he's he's the, the monkey wrench in the plan mm-hmm yeah, and he's like just this kind of force of nature that he's unstoppable, um, and that could make an interesting thing. But like I said, that's kind of what he was in Daredevil season two. Like he was the villain in that, um, and that to me is usually the more interesting way to go about portraying the character. Once you try to get into his psyche a little bit more, it kind of falls apart because you're just like, well, okay, your family got killed. Get over it. Batman's family got killed. He got over it, sort of. Um, he didn't kill people. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I don't know. It's it's rough. Uh, but I'm I. That's unfortunate to hear that you didn't like the second season. Because uh, I like John Bernthal in that role, and I like those uh, Marvel Netflix yeah, shows I, in general. I uh, I really like John Bernthal in the role too. But it's it's just one of those things where I don't know. I just can't do it. I can't. I can't watch them anymore. I mean, mm-hmm. it's probably not going to be. A hard well, thing now you don't have to. Now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we'll see Disney, how Jessica Jones Disney season three out goes. There. <laughs> we'll see how Jessica Jones season three goes, but I'm not I'm not pumped for it just based on how terrible season two was. Yeah, I don't know. Let's I didn't see. even watch season two. I, I like the first ones. I, I think that's what I'm coming to find. I still like these Marvel Netflix shows because I didn't watch all of them. I just left them yeah, where they were the, at their best. Two was bad. Yeah. yeah. But uh, still you know, haven't Iron finished Fist. Luke everybody, Iron Fist. Everybody loves Iron Fist, right? Oh yeah, that was that's the one that everyone loved. You know what was like really funny is looking at critics versus audience scores on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, there, there one of the, one of Netflix's other shows was uh, Voltron, Legendary mm-hmm. Defender, uh, and it it was it's actually pretty good. Um. It was, uh, I mean, you, you've seen Avatar The Last Airbender, right? The movie? No, the, the show. No, you haven't, right? You've only seen bits no, and pieces. Well, I've seen bits and pieces of the show, yeah. Yeah, I think we talked about this last time, where it's just, like, the show's ratings from, like, are fairly consistent. It's like, first, first two seasons, like, audience scores, like, 98, uh, critic scores, like, 95, something like that. And it's, it's pretty consistent. Like, it'll stay in, like, 87, 89, 93, like, seasons 1 through 6, uh, season 7, like, 70s, and then season 8 happened, uh, and it was the, the final season, and the audience score dropped to, like, a 13. Wow. Which, it's just a, such, such a cataclysmic drop-off. Yeah. Sounds that but, way. 
yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like that's kind of the way that the Marvel series have kind of gone. Because I, I could not fucking watch Luke Cage. I could not watch um, Iron Fist. I couldn't finish Jessica Jones Season 2. I barely finished The Punisher. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. That's too bad. We'll see. Too I bad. hear that Hulu's actually open to bringing back those series, but... Are they? Yeah, but Wait, I mean, why would Hulu have a say? What do well, they have to I mean, do with Hulu, any of this? I mean, Hulu has a couple of Marvel's properties. They have Cloak and Dagger, oh, right. Runaways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But those are like vastly different than uh than the Netflix stuff. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But um we'll Yeah, see, that honestly. That looked to me more like like DC's uh CW programming, like where it's just kind of it's it's totally not for me. Which, and like I said in the last one, it's for somebody, so that's fine. But, like, yeah, I'm not really terribly interested in a lot of those shows. Um, would you would you think of um, DC's new lineup for uh, Titans and Doom Patrol? Mm, Doom Patrol. Um, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> like... Uh, Honestly, one of the most fascinating things to me about it is that, like, Brendan Fraser's in the show. Yeah, it's true. And, uh... Hell yeah. Yeah, well, just, like, he has just so much charisma as a... I, I wish he was a, a bigger star than he was. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, like... Exactly. I rewatched so the first two I'm Mummy sure. movies recently, yeah. and, like, they're they're not good, but, like, the first one's very entertaining. Oh, yeah, like, I like those Mummy movies. It's trying, to, it's, it's trying to be Indiana Jones, and it's just not quite there but it, it's got yeah. a lot of the elements they're super 90s like there's a lot of 90s shit going on in those movies but uh i, I dig those movies um I, they're not good like you said but they're entertaining um yeah but yeah doom patrol they're entertaining without being too stupid mm-hmm. yeah titans kind of key titans i watched a couple of episodes of it and I would say that, like, every episode that I saw had a lot of good stuff in it. It just really needs some finessing. Um, mm-hmm. Doom Patrol, how was like... The, how was in... the fuck Batman scene? Fuck Batman. Uh, it was great. I I kind of <laughs> like those things. Like, I, I like that it's goofy and over the top. I'm like, well, it, you know, if you're gonna... If you're gonna go dark with it, at least go, like, funny, kitschy, ridiculous dark. Um... And it, it does that. But then there are other parts where it was just like, I don't know, it, it needs like a more consistent tone, and I'm sure that they'll get there in time. Um, but, yeah, I, I didn't watch enough of it to give like an, an actual review on it. Uh, but like the idea of Doom Patrol, I love the idea of making like a live-action Doom Patrol and making it crazy and weird. Um, speaking of, uh, not Doom Patrol, but going back to Marvel... Uh, Kevin Smith recently announced that he's making a Howard the Duck series on Hulu with Dave yeah, Willis. Yeah, it's an animated the, series. Yeah, yeah of Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Howard the Duck and uh, Modoc are both going to be series. Yeah, it's going to be great. Um, especially it's got because it, it's got the Aqua Teen people behind it. So I hope that Dana is in it. I bet he could play Howard the Duck. That would be great. Um, Dana Snyder, uh, Master Shake from Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Who's a dear personal friend of mine. Name drop. Uh, friend of the show. Friend of the show. Um, yeah, so we'll see how that goes. But 
Yeah, that sounds fun. Like, because if you're going to do Howard the Duck, uh, you you got to go weird with it. And I think that the Aqua Teen You got to go full. Yeah, you, you can't. No half measures with Howard the Duck. But I think with, like, the Aqua Teen people on board, like, holy shit, I'm very excited for that. Because I don't know what they're doing these days. Like, I get, they, I'm get, i sure that they still have stuff on Adult Swim, but I don't have cable, so I never watch it. Um, Aqua Teen's been off for a, for a good long while now, but I don't know what Dave Willis is doing. I've met him, too. He's a nice guy. He's a very funny guy. He's, like, um, one of my favorite people to go to panels for because he's, he's just really, really sharp and quick, and all of their panels end up being... Amazing. Like Kevin Smith, every panel you go to, no matter what the content is, it's going to be entertaining. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, kind of in the same vein. A very different kind of funny than Kevin Smith is, but still extremely funny and entertaining nonetheless. Um, Dave is like very dry and uh, kind of sarcastic, and he likes to he likes to uh, abuse the audience a bit. That's always fun to watch. Speaking of abusing, um, you hear this whole thing with, like, Vic Mignogna? Uh, no. What? Who? Say that again? The voice actor? The voice actor who was, uh, Edward Elric in, uh, Full Metal Alchemist? Oh, yeah, I have heard bits and pieces of this from, I think Nick has mentioned it before. Um, but go on. What's, what's the full story? No, there's just been a, a whole slew of, uh, sexual misconduct allegations coming out from a lot of not only, like, fans attending, like, conventions and panels and stuff like that, but also, like, other voice actors that he's worked with. Um, so, like, everyone's dropping him, like, left and right. Like, uh, yeah. Rooster Teeth mm, dropped him off happen. of Ruby. Uh, Funimation dropped him off of all future projects. Wow. Yeah. That's not good. Um, yeah. Don't fucking do that kind of shit. What are you people thinking? But yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it's a very transitional time it seems in Hollywood where you know so many things are coming out all at once. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what the actual, just the landscape of the motion picture industry will look like ten years from now because. I feel like a lot of people that are like heavy hitters in it and calling shots are just going to be gone because, uh, you know. Well, it's we were talking about this before we started recording. Like, um, Brian Singer was nominated for the BAFTAs and uh, had his BAFTAs rescinded um, because five more uh, sexual misconduct allegations came out from, uh, at the time, young men, very underage young men. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, it, it really shouldn't be surprising at this point. Like, it's 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 Brian Singer, but I, I don't know. For, for some reason, Brian Singer seems to have, like, the, uh, the name behind him, and I don't really get it. I, that was like, an interesting seems... case, because people had been, like, you know, people, when they say that there had been whispers about Cosby and Weinstein for years, like, I believe that, but I'd never heard them. I mean, I guess mm-hmm. I always kind of figured that Harvey Weinstein was a bit of a, like a, a bit is an understatement, but like a creepy guy. But um, just because like the, you know, the whole big sleazy producer stereotype is something that exists. I never heard anything like that about Cosby. Brian I mean, if, I've if been... you're looking, if you're looking at like Harvey Weinstein, he looks like 
the humanoid version of Jabba the Hutt. He literally looks, yeah, he's he looks like he was created just to fill that part of our culture. Um, literally. Like, if you were casting him in a movie, you would cast Harvey Weinstein. but uh, Or you were casting that character in a movie, you'd cast somebody that looks exactly like Harvey Weinstein. But um, with Brian Singer, I legitimately had heard things before. And not like, you know, not from anybody that knew him, but I just, you know, I I'd heard rumors online. I've heard rumors. People talked about that. So it was weird because it was such a slow burn. Like the first couple allegations came out and I was like, well, yeah, of course. Um, but then nothing happened. He just kept going. And it really wasn't until like midway through Bohemian Rhapsody that like it really started gaining traction. And I don't know why that is. Um, I, I, Granted, I don't know what the allegations against him were necessarily. Maybe they were just, uh, you know, not quite. Because, like, a lot of it, it seemed like, yeah, he was into younger dudes, but they weren't necessarily underage. He, like, he was, uh, I don't know, he had his type, and everybody kind of knew what that type was. But it wasn't necessarily illegal. It was just kind of real weird. Um, but then later on it would come out to find you would come to find like oh okay yeah no there was also um seedier shit going on but yeah i don't know i can't say that it's altogether surprising because like i said people had been talking about that for years yeah it, it seems like this whole brian singer thing is like it's 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 surprising to no one because it's something that everyone just kind of already knew yeah and kind of just tacitly uh, accepted like you would hear stories about like parties where he'd be like uh, it would be him and then, like, you know, 40, 19-year-old boys in a hot tub. Um, so it's just like, well, 19, that's not illegal, but it's still kind of weird when you're in your fucking 40s, dude. Like, I don't know. You want to you wanna, you wanna play uh, Archangel in the new X-Men movie? Yeah, man. Like, uh, <laughs> that was one. That guy got a raw deal, too, because that, that was a real bad movie. <laughs> that one? That one? I've never been more uncomfortable watching a movie than watching uh, X-Men Apocalypse and just seeing the actor they got for Archangel being like, oh, I know how you got this role. The uh, The other Archangel was fairly twinkish as well, wasn't it? Like, thinking back on that. Yeah. Well, that was yeah. Just, it's just Brian Singer's thing. Yeah, but... He's uh, just really into winged twinks. Yeah, put put them feathery angel pigeon wings on them. <laughs> I wonder if that's like a conversation uh, Brian Singer has, like with every X Men movie. It's like, so we're gonna have Archangel, and this one's like, we already had him in one of the movies. It's like, okay, no, but we're gonna have him yeah, again, and he's he's gonna be younger, <laughs> and he's gonna be blonder, and he's gonna be shirtless thirty percent more. <laughs> like, we're putting Archangel in this again. They're like, oh, should we get the actor from the other one? No, he's too old. He's like, well, did, they, he would age <laughs> yeah. with the role, wouldn't he? No, fuck you. Get a new one. Alternate timeline. Can we just can we just please hope that the only reason why the X-Men franchise has gone so many iterations of different timelines and alternate universes it's also and you can get a new different Archangel room, each it's time. just <laughs> just to get a younger and younger actor to play Archangel with each iteration. <laughs> Yeah, I yeah you know in retrospect it is weird that like Brian Singer decided to come back for the X Men in high school movie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like that was his first X Men movie in a while, 
Um, and it was the one where they were all, you know, younger versions of themselves. Creepy, dude. Well, on that note. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, thank you for joining us, everyone. I am uh, Tyler Andrew Pino. <laughs> I'm Michael Holler. Uh, get out of my house. <laughs> <laughs>